Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? I'm Egbert, the owner of this station. Check out my website at Egbert.com. That's E-G-G-B-U-R-T, Egbert.com. Now it's back to Brad and John. Check out their website at BJShow.co. The BJ Show? Come on, guys. Anyway, here's B and J. Sort of like your mom and dad not approving of what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? When the boss man sort of gives you that sort of like, hey, what are you doing, guys, right? One of the, one of the theories of, of developmental psychology, Brad, is that a man has to slay his father. You know, you have to overcome whatever your father's expectations were and do it by yourself, Brad. And I feel we get a little bit of that from Egbert. You know, he sets that level and we have to slay his expectations and set our own standard, Brad. John, you're a real deep thinker. You talk about meat shields and slaying your father and things like that. (laughs) Well, you know, I derive most of that wisdom from professional wrestling, Brad. So that's why I'm so deep. And, I mean, what a world with Vince McMahon. I don't know if you followed any of this story over the last month or so, but it's a doozy. Well, he's, like, what he resigned from the the chairmanship, supposedly, what, due to a sexual harassment deal, isn't that what it is? Yeah, yeah, apparently misusing his, apparently allegedly misusing company money to settle some of these, you know, NDAs and allegations. And then this, this most recent woman... Uh, make some some outrageous allegations. So anyway, neither here nor there, but well, still not wild. Now, now he's not married anymore, is he? Or is he still married? Uh, I be- yeah, I believe he's still married. Yeah. Okay, because his wife is like big wig in the business as well, too, isn't she? Like, oh yeah, yeah, she was, and you know, she was at a she was a, uh, a cabinet appointee under Donald Trump. That's Linda right. McMahon, yeah, I forgot and about she that. ran unsuccessfully for, um, gosh, either Senate. I think she ran for U.S. Senate one time. Interesting, interesting. So, so he's yeah, anyway. he's essentially taking the back seat, right? Yeah, and so you know the the whole thing with WWE when he stepped aside, I believe two years ago as well, is that he still he still pulls the strings. What the conventional wisdom is that he still makes all the key decisions, even though he doesn't have a title anymore, and the man will have control of that company until he's six feet deep. Well, you know, it's it's a fascinating company uh, because of the fact that I don't know if you know the history of wrestling. Here we start the show off talking about wrestling, but wrestling used to be a bunch of of regional circuits. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty familiar with this. Because, for example, wrestling at the Chase was a local promoter by the name of Sam Munchnik, and yeah, he, there's no and yeah, Sam Munchnik, yeah. He, so he ran, yeah, he ran the Missouri territory, and they were all under the they were a conglomeration of territories under the National Wrestling Alliance. Right. So but, Munchnik ran this area. Kansas City was Central States, ran by Bob Geigel. Everybody had their regional territory. But they sort of run their own little little operation, so to speak. It's correct. It's, You're absolutely right. Right. Yeah, right I interrupted right. you. No, 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 it's fine. A, a weird story. Years ago, I had an attorney that I was working with, and his name was not 
his wife's name. They, she had kept her name on marriage, like as some women do, which I have no problem with, to be honest with you. I think that that makes more sense, to be honest with you. Uh, nowadays, the way we have all these blended marriages and things like that. Hey, just let's not make things complicated, because I know women who have had, you know, matter of fact, I know one particular woman in the radio business who's had four last names since I've known her, because she had her original name, then she had her heir name, then she got married once, and she got married twice, and every time oh, she wow. changed her name. Okay. So, uh, the the point of this was that uh, where was I going with this? I can't remember. It was uh, Sam Mushnick. In oh the, yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Re- well, the local territory. He introduces me Wrestling to his, the chase. Yeah. He introduces me to his wife one day, and he says, "This is my wife, Katie Mushnick," and I say, "You in relation to Sam?" She says, "That's my <laughs> that's my father." Wow, no way. Yes. Now, the interesting thing was how I met her because he wanted me to meet her because she ran her own company at the time. I don't think that was the name of the company, but she's the one who started the St. Louis Small Business Monthly. And Oh, no way. Yes. Okay. It, originally, it was like a little mailer she sent out like once a month or something like that. It was like almost like, you know how like uh, in the printing business, you can get, what is it, like eight and a half by by 17-inch piece of paper, and, and they print it, and essentially you fold it in half, and it gives you four four pages, you know what I mean? Like yep. Almost like yep. a menu kind of thing. And that's what she did. And then she ultimately sold it, and she it's been sold a couple times. The guy who runs it right now is a really nice guy. We deal with him twice a year when he does the St. Louis Small Business Expo at the Family Arena. It's always a great time and always a lot of good people out there. Okay, we start the show, even though today is a holiday and we're probably the only, only few of the ones that are working. You know, it's interesting. You tune around the radio dial and most of the, quote, A talent is off today. Uh, they're either running best ofs or they're running, you know, the, the weekend people are, hey, I get to I get to do mornings, mornings, Monday mornings. <laughs> um, so we are the B talent all the time. <laughs> all the, I would put us at like D or, D or E, right, Brad? <laughs> Way down there. And every morning we start out with John Combest's top three. Now what John does is does his website for 22 plus years. He scans all the websites. He knows all the places to find all this stuff. Sometimes it's not even a website. Sometimes people call them. Sometimes people email them. And text them and things like that. And he puts together this list and he puts together backlinks to all the different sites around the state. And we start off each day by doing the top three. And we have our guest announcer who comes in and says to me, And here they are. And we start the countdown with, In third place, According to the St. Louis Post Dispatch, somebody is standing up against a large local nonprofit and saying, It is no fair that that nonprofit doesn't pay property taxes, that gets a free ride, that uses a ton of land that could be used by good, productive corporations. Welcome to BJShow.co's new game. Who said it? Brad Hildebrand or the St. Louis Democratic Socialists of America? Well, how what, about... How, what do you think I'm talking about, Brad? How about both? <laughs> how about both? Talk about politics making strange bedfellows. Brad may agree with the St. Louis Democratic Socialists of America here. According to the Post-Dispatch, the group is making a ruckus about the fact that good St. Louis citizen, Washington University in St. Louis, has a ton of land for which it is completely tax exempt. And the argument is that all that property robs University City and St. Louis City of what could be very productive taxpayer land and taxpayer dollars. Well, you know what? I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? Well, I've told this this story before, and I don't know if you've heard this or not, but 
the reason that, and once again, I, I swear I read this in a book, a history book, and it talked about the reason the United States does not chat, tax church properties. Do you know the reason behind this? No, I don't. Because most of the founding fathers were from England. And in England, one of the reasons that a lot of them came to the United States was freedom of religion because you were forced into the, the Church of England. There was no alternative church. You went mm, to the Church of England. Yeah. There was no, you, you didn't have a choice, okay? So because the church essentially was part of the government structure, and, it, and I think it still is to this day, that they don't tax. It would be like St. Louis County taxing uh, the city of O'Fallon because it's a government entity onto itself. I get it. yeah, so in I get other words, it. Okay. it doesn't make any sense because the money would just go like in circles because of the fact that, you know, if you know what I'm saying, you're going to take the tax money in and you're going to, you know, you're going to send it right back to the city. So supposedly that's the reason it's a carryover from the founding fathers from um, the religion uh, aspect of the Church of England, where they all came from, from Great Britain. Wow. I, yeah. I, so I didn't know that that was the origin. Well, of it. well, what so what's interesting here is that. Apparently, University City studied this. It looks like around 2018, I believe, is what the is what the piece said. It's by Blythe Bernard from the Post Dispatch, and so the group had a meeting last night in U City. I haven't seen any coverage via TV, radio, or print about what came out of that meeting. Of course, it is a Sunday, and you know most media people don't wouldn't be bothered to work on a Sunday, but. The piece is really interesting because, you know, it makes you think they, the, the piece shows a map of all of WashU's properties in U-City and all the tax-exempt properties. And so to me, it's fascinating because if you look at, and I have in front of me here, a copy of December's Washington University magazine that touts all of its local initiatives, <clears throat> excuse me, and how much, you know, how much it does for the local community. And there's only so much money even that a university has. And I know that WashU has a huge endowment, but for every project that WashU that WashU fund, like the, the money, if WashU starts paying taxes in U City, the money's gotta come from somewhere. So if WashU is paying some some feel-good reading program in the inner city or somewhere, you know, for minorities or whatever woke projects are going on, the money's going to come from somewhere. So I don't know. I would be – I'd be pretty cautious if I was the Democratic Socialist of America thinking that you're really going to stick it to the man when WashU, I wouldn't say, really is the man. Well, hold on a minute. So in other words, you're saying that they're going to eliminate programs that they do to pay their taxes? Well, no, what I'm saying is that for everything that WashU does today, that it, yeah, it, that it funds out of its budget today. And let's be honest, WashU funds a ton of projects in the St. Louis area. They put their staff and their personnel to do community work. They work with community organizations. And so if WashU has to start taking a chunk of money and actually paying taxes on the property it owns, the money's going to come from somewhere, Brad. They're, it's not like they're going to cut staff to make up for that. Let's do our due diligence here. John? What college did you graduate from? Washington University. <laughs> so, so, and hey, you know, now, I, as you know, Brad, and everybody who's listened to the show knows, I don't, I don't come on here, um, you know, uh, ringing the bell for Wash U. And, I, you know, I compare this, once again, this is another example of, like, I'm taking back to the 80s, and I put on WGN, and I see the Cubs playing the Mets, and it's like, can't both sides lose? Like, I'm, I don't know who to root for in this fight. But WashU, even a, a general WashU cynic like me would point out the fact that, that the group does so much good for the local community in, in terms of – and it's stuff that's not even woke. You know, it's stuff that's not even community activism. It's helping reading programs. It's helping economic development. 
And uh, if, if WashU has to start paying taxes, then that stuff goes away. John, we need to revisit this. So let's move on with the countdown. And as soon as we All get right. done with the countdown, we will pick this back up because I have some choice comments to make about that. Okay. Nice. Here we go. Up a notch to number two. Are you tired of hearing about packs of marauding mobs and, and thieving thugs roaming neighborhoods at night testing car door handles to see if they can break in? Well, State Representative Jim Murphy of St. <clears throat> excuse me, of St. Louis County is tired of it too. He has a bill that will be debated in committee soon that would make walking around prowling neighborhoods testing door handles a class E felony. Now, Representative Murphy says that there are no laws on the books in terms of state statute that prohibit this type of behavior. And any type of ordinance that prohibits or that that catches these thieves, he said that the penalty for it is too minuscule as it is, and we need stiffer penalties for breaking into cars. Well, okay, now, I agree with breaking into the cars, but let's go back for a minute. Okay, maybe I'm the... I'm the, the guy who is the, the libertarian, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, so let's say you've got a group of teenagers who were walking around in the neighborhood just having a good time talking. You know, let's say they're, pre, they're pre-16, so they don't, can't drive, and they're just walking around having a good time, okay? Can the mm-hmm. police come and say, wait, we're taking you in for class D felonies. You're not supposed to be walking around at night. Get what I'm saying? I mean, there comes a point. I, yeah, no, I, I completely do. But I mean, I think the difference is with with cameras now, you could see a bunch, a roving pack, uh, a marauding mob testing out car doors. You would have that on camera, and if you could identify them. But see, I, I think there, I think it's a difference between like a stop and frisk mentality, Brad, which I don't think Jim Murphy is proposing here. Or cops just just grabbing kids and saying, hey, quit walking around the neighborhood versus actually seeing kids testing car door handles and getting into cars. Okay, I'm no expert on this and I'm no police officer, but the videos I have seen, and it's interesting. Matter of fact, if anybody knows more about this, you can call my cell phone. We'll put you on the air. 314-280-8880. Once again, 314-280-8880. Most of the security camera and the door, the ring cameras, the doorbell cameras I've seen that shows this, this behavior is it's typically somebody in a car with like three or four guys and they pull into a neighborhood then they jump out of the car and they they run around and check all the door handles and if they don't find any they jump back in the car and they move on down the street so it's not really like a marauding gang or something like that i i see see i think what here we go again this is a politician who is getting grief because of the fact that people are saying, why can't you stop these people from breaking into our cars? So he comes up with this legislation, which I think is like Swiss cheese. It has tons of holes in it, and it's never going to work. But that's just me, right? Mm, interesting. Okay. Well, well, that's some a little bit of pushback for Representative Jim Murphy well, there. But see, I bet he will take that into consideration, but, man. But uh, what are you going to do? I mean, you know, I mean, short of having police officers stationed, you know, block by block in a subdivision at night, I don't think there's much you can do about it. You know what I mean? You know, his anecdote was interesting. He said that with the invention now of so many cameras, he said that a lot of these thieves, they'll show their weapons daring you to come out. No, I never thought of that. Do you mean the homeowners? No, that the that the thieves would would flash their guns. In other words, to say to homeowners, don't even think of coming yeah, out. That's what I mean. In other on. words, in other words, they're gonna they're gonna if you got a zoom camera, they're gonna wave their gun around. And go, hey, look at what I got. You better not yeah, come out. Girl. Yeah, don't even don't you dare try to intercept this, uh, this uh, thievery. I mean, people are brazen. Okay, and now. 
<laughs> the number one. It's the number one. John Straight Combat's from topic. our mouth on Friday into the Kansas City mayor's mouth two hours later, Brad. On Friday morning, you and I, in the wake of the Kansas City shooting that took place on Wednesday, you and I talked about how the governor appeared on Pete Mundo's show Thursday and dared utter the word thugs to yeah. describe the shooters at the KC parade. Two hours later, after our conversation on Friday, Brad, KC Mayor Quentin Lucas was on Steve Kraske's show on KCUR, Public Radio in Kansas City, and he said that the governor should not have used the word thugs and that the governor was using a, quote, dog whistle that Quentin Lucas has seen before to, in a racist way, suggest that the criminals, you know, might be thuggish or, God forbid, might be black. So we discussed it Friday, Brad, and you'll recall I said that somebody would have a hissy fit about the governor's word choice, and two hours later across the state, it happened. Okay, John, let me ask you a question. Have you ever watched? Yes. Have you ever watched The Sopranos? Absolutely, I've seen every episode. Okay, if you were to ca- categorize the people, the men who are involved, you know, Tony Soprano and his whole gang of <laughs> merrymakers, what word would you call them? Thugs. Exactly. That's what I Absolutely. say. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? All of their capos are thugs. All of their soldiers right. are thugs. All of their associates and friends of ours are thugs. Right. And it's not a racial Absolutely. thing. It's to me, it's like, okay, you know, everybody's just gotten so tightly wound. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's a, and you know what? If there's a if there's a phrase that I hate nowadays, it's dog whistle. I mean, oh, absolutely! I mean, I'm right there with you. That's like Lex, like saying, "Hey, <laughs> that's like saying I'm going to go eat some pastrami," you know. And people go, "Oh, he must be Jewish." It's a dog whistle. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, or man, I hate Fazoli's oh, spaghetti. Right. It's so runny, and yeah. people say, "What an anti-Italian right. slur!" <laughs> exactly. It's like that's a dog whistle. That's a dog whistle. Now, Brad, the best. Best part about this whole thing, and I know we're, we're close to time here. The best part about the whole thing is, a month ago yesterday, the mayor was on Pete Mundo's show, and he was describing another shooting in the city. And here's what he called it: he said a segment of our society, and he used the word hooliganism. Yeah. Now it's okay for the mayor of Kansas City to call young black men hooligans and call them a segment of our society, but God forbid somebody drop the T word. You can't say thug because that's not okay. Well, now, what's interesting, the word hooligan was one of those words that sort of disappeared from our language, and you know who brought it back into my 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 realm? Who's that? My son, my oldest son, Brett. Oh, I love the word hooligan. He I would, believe it. Yeah, I'm glad your son uses it. He would call, matter of fact, matter of fact, the, 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 what they call them, the the Midnight Boys. Do you know this whole story, what they call the Midnight Boys? No, I don't. Let's talk about this next break. Man, I got stuff to talk about. Okay, here's, oh, great. Let's here's, do it. here's what I've queued up for our next break. First off, we're going to talk about Taylor Swift, and I have a real reason to talk about this because I have a theory, and the more I think about this, the more I see what happens, I think I'm 100% right. Okay. Property tax, and then we're all going to talk about the word thugs because yes. I'm glad I didn't bait you when I asked you about Tony Soprano, but they're a bunch of white dudes, and they're thugs. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. Okay. We're going to take a break. We will be back. And by the way, this is a short break, and that's my own damn fault. Uh, there's a whole story behind it, which I won't bore you with. And we're going to take a break. 
Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it?